I am in Genesis chapter 15. I'm just taking six verses. By the way, Dr. Edens is here. And Dr. Edens, would you mind standing for just a minute? Mike Edens, of course, it's his birthday today. I mean, I, I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but it's his birthday. And yeah, it is. And we don't want to embarrass him, but, but also, Mike is, cons- is going to preach from Genesis 15 next week. And uh, he and I worked this out, and I'm taking the first part of the chapter. He's going to take the second part, which is, I think, more difficult, but, but also wonderful scripture about the covenant that God makes with Abraham there and the prayer experience and the great experience he has with God. I'm going to be in Malta next Sunday the little island in the Mediterranean Sea, and we've been invited. Who's the team that's going? I know my wife is going, and I see Susan and Violet back there. I guess Bill's somewhere, and Lisa's right up here. And um, is that all of us? There are seven of us. And, yeah, Madeline. Madeline's going, too. So Mike doesn't have anything to do next week. Madeline's going to be gone, so I thought, well, why not just preach, right? And the seven of us are going to do worship and Bible study for a cluster of about 60 or 70 uh, missionaries and their families. And these missionaries serve and seek to reach the Roma people in Eastern Europe mostly. And these are a gypsy people. They number about 30 million. And we have a number of families that just reach out to them. And they called and said, would you come and help us with our missionary retreat? And we said... We'd be glad to. So we want you to put that on your calendar and pray for us, all right? Pray that God will use us, bless us. He'll be with me as I preach to the missionaries. I love missionaries, and uh, I so respect what God does through them, and I know you do too. And we want them all over the world, and we support these missionaries with our tithes and offerings every Sunday when you give your gifts to support the work of Christ through our church you help support these missionaries that we're going to be going to see. And that is called our cooperative program. And so pray for us, all right? Now, I'm in Genesis chapter 15, where the Scripture says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abram is afraid 
That's why God starts this conversation with Abram by saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. Same reason God started the conversation with Mary saying, Don't be afraid. And Gideon, don't be afraid. I'm not sure all the things Abram is afraid about. He's just whipped up on four kings. He's had a mighty military victory. He's delivered his nephew Lot from the clutches of the enemy. He ought to be flying high, but just like you and me. No matter what good victory God gives us. We go to bed at night and worry about the future. We think, well, I defeated those kings, but what if they regroup? I could be their next target. They might be coming after me. I don't know how to get this truth down to the gut level of life where we live. But we have got to stop being afraid. We must. God says to him, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. And that word is about protection. It's about defense. I am your protector. And so I do think that Abram is afraid about being attacked, perhaps, by these kings that he has just defeated. Or maybe other enemies that surround him. I am your shield, Abram. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. You will have security. Not when you have a bigger gun or a bigger bank account, but when you have a bigger faith. In a bigger God. Until your faith is bigger. You will be afraid no matter what you accumulate. On this planet. Abram is a man of great wealth. It doesn't keep him peaceful at night. He has 318 trained men in his camp. Who know how to go to war. And still, he tosses and turns in the bed. And God says, Abram, I am your shield. Your very great reward. I think Abram's worried about being a failure. He's worried that his life will amount to nothing. That he's going to live on this planet and be insignificant. That he'll waste it all. He's looking around and he's afraid that even though he has accumulated wealth and cattle and herds and servants. It's all for naught. It doesn't amount to anything. So God says. I am. 
I am. Abram, do not be afraid. I am your very great reward. You're looking for significance in your life? Afraid you're going to fail? That your life will add up to zero? Would it be enough if God were pleased with you? And when they put you in the ground, they would say of you, he brought glory to his God. Abram, I am your compensation, your reward and your wages. And I am not the bare minimum. I am the exceedingly great reward of your life. And if you pour out your energy, your time, and your resources into me, that will be the greatest reward of your life. God is enough for Abram. Brothers and sisters, this is connected to faith. You want to grow in faith? You want to have more faith? You want to be able to trust and enjoy the peace that comes with trusting, then God needs to be your very great reward. All the other things fade into significance. I am. If we could develop that kind of focus on God, God would deliver us from a lot of fear. Lots of anxiety, lots of worry would melt away were we to live like this the Lord is my shield and my reward I'm not worried about insignificance for my life is planted in the being and power of God Abram laments to God that he is childless. He says to God, but Lord, Eliezer is going to be my heir. I don't have any descendants. And God responds and says, Eliezer will not be your heir, but a child coming from your own body will be your heir. And then the scripture says this curious thing, He took him outside. (laughs) I love this. He took him outside. Abram, you've been sitting in this tent too long, man. Yeah, you got your comfortable chair and your remote control. You feel so at peace and protected in your chair. But it's all about you in here. I want you to get outside of this tent. Now, come with me. He took him outside. Time to get outside, brother. Your world's getting too little. It's getting too small. You're getting a skewed perspective of what life is about. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. 
What happens when you look up at the stars? I know they're hard to see in the swamp, in the urban setting. You ought to do this some. Get out of the house, walk out in the yard, look up at the stars. God, what are you trying to do to Abram? What are you saying to him? I want him to get out of his little bitty room and see how big the world is. Count those stars, Abram, if you can. And when you look up in the heavens, you get a glimpse of the grandeur and greatness of God. How big God is. We live in the Milky Way galaxy. You know this, right? If you look up at the stars, if you had a grid and you could put them out and you could count all the stars in this grid then this grid as they rotate through (laughs) the heavens all night long you'd get a couple thousand maybe any simple micro uh, telescope they say you can count a million stars there are a hundred thousand million stars in the milky way galaxy a hundred thousand million stars And our galaxy is one of millions of galaxies. Abram, come outside. Look up in the heavens. Now, there's a little danger to this. When you're sitting in your man cave, you rule the world, okay? When you get out there on the mountain and you look up at the stars, all of a sudden you're a little bitty. You're just about this big in a world that's huge. In the presence of a God who is enormous, gigantic, immeasurable, unfathomable. Beyond your ability to comprehend, you cannot intellectually get your arms around the size and greatness of God. But it does something for you. To contemplate the greatness of God. God wants you to get there because it's who He is. And until you acknowledge who He is, the great and magnificent God Most High, you haven't really worshipped. You've been worshipping an idol. Some little God made after your own image. Some little God you can control, give orders to, run around, do you favors. Once you acknowledge the God who is above it all, beyond it all, made it all, then you're starting to get to worship. And in the moment of worship, as you acknowledge and understand and have a sense of the greatness of God, your own possibilities begin to expand. It's true. It's true. You're in control in the little tent. But if you walk outside and surrender control and see yourself as the microscope, scopic being you are in this huge universe but in the presence of a magnificent God and all the stars scattered through the sky you begin to realize nothing is impossible nothing's impossible 
with this God, He can do anything. With me, anything. God wants to take Abram outside so he can shrink down to the wee little life he is and understand how great his God is and how wonderful the possibilities are in God. You know, the the scientists still use the stars and the sand on the beaches, just like God did with Abram, to give us a sense of the greatness of the world, the universe God has made. I read an article just this week, published this year, talking about stars and grains of sand. In Psalm 139, the psalmist refers to the sand. I want you to hear this. He says here, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. This is David, the shepherd boy. Anytime you think of David, you can think of him laying on his back in a pasture looking up at the stars, and you get pretty close. All right? The Lord is my shepherd. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast are the sum of them. I can see him, the poet of Israel, laying on his back, looking up at the stars, walking along the sea. How vast are the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Been to Mobile lately? Pensacola? Orange Beach. You ever take a scoop of sand in your hand and wonder, how many grains are in that handful? Did you ever wonder that? Maybe took a bucket. How many grains of sand are in that bucket? How many grains of sand in just one square foot of this beach or one long mile or all the beaches? In all the earth, there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on all the beaches of the earth. And they are truly innumerable. God's calling you out. He wants you outside. He wants you to look up instead of down. Not into the darkness, but into the vastness. He wants to change your perspective on your place in the world so He can use you and make your life of great significance. And Abram, an old man with an old wife, believed the Lord. He got out there in the vastness and he said, Yes, God, I believe you. And then you have this curious statement. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him 
as righteousness. Verse 6. You ought to underline it and surround it. Mark that verse. What God did was take the man outside to stir in him a flame of faith so that he would believe instead of being afraid. And everybody in the room, you got that little faith inside of you. Some of you say, I don't have much faith. I struggle with faith. That's all right. I think Abraham struggled with faith, yet he's called the father of the faithful. Jesus said, just a little faith will do. Just a tiny bit of faith. And you can pull out mountains and throw them in the sea. All you need is a little. Activate your heavenly currency. Believe God. Abraham believed and it was credited to him. God counted it as righteousness. I want you to see this because it is a key transition in the life of Abraham that corrects a misconception so many people have about the Bible. There are so many people who believe that righteousness comes by how you act and what you do. And you are right with God if your behavior is generally good and fair and true. And you're not right with Him if you do bad things. And so righteousness is something that you earn by your behavior. So many people believe that. And I'll go to funerals sometimes and they'll say, well, he he was a good man. I believe he's going to be in heaven because he loved his family and, and he was a good citizen. He served his country. And those are all good things. But they misunderstand how somebody comes into a right standing with God. Righteousness is not earned in the Bible. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. Abraham does not deserve it. You think about this man for a minute. Abraham, this is the same guy that tried to pass Sarah off as his sister. And he's going to be involved in some more stuff when you think you're going to pop your forehead and say, what's wrong with this man? Can't he get it together? Abraham is not somebody so unusual that he's unlike you or me. He is just like us, feet of clay. He can't live the perfect law of God. He can't keep all the rules and regulations. He is not going to achieve standing with God based on what he does. God's going to give him standing based on his faith. Abram believed, and God counted it as righteousness. Now, if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 4. Verse 16 of Romans chapter 4 says, Therefore, the promise comes by faith. The promise of God. You are a child of promise that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abram's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. And in this chapter, 
Paul the Apostle is saying, we are the children of Abraham by faith, Gentiles and Jews alike, as we trust God. Verse 19, against all hope, this is 18, Abram in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. That's a quote from verse 5, we've read it. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. It's all about God, God's power, his ability to keep his promise, see? God's made a promise to you. Did God have to do that? No. He made the promise through His Son, Jesus. He said to you, as many as receive Him, to those people I'll give the power to become the sons of God. To those who believe in His name, God made the promise. It's for you. He didn't have to do it. He wanted to. Just like He did with Abraham. He wasn't compelled to give the promise to Abraham, but He did. Abram believed the promise. He believed what God said, and that was counted as right standing with God, as righteousness with God, just like it is in your life. Verse 22, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness, because he believed. The words, verse 23, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, for you and me. To whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Abraham believed God in the promise that he made. And God counted it as righteousness. That you believe in the Christ of Calvary who laid down his life on your behalf, died in your place, bearing your sin, and rose again the third day. When you believe, it is credited to you as righteousness. You say, that's too simple. It can't be that simple. If it was any harder, I couldn't get it. I understand now. I come into Christ trusting Him as Savior and God makes me part of His family by grace. It's all of grace and not of us. We never earn it or deserve it, this right standing with God. It is a gift, just like the promise was to Abram. It is a gift, and a gift to be received. Your role in your right standing with God is to receive what He offers through Christ, trusting in Him and Him alone for your salvation, the forgiveness of sin, becoming part of the family of God through faith. And when you believe and have trusted in Christ alone for your salvation, 
you are a child of Abraham. By faith, you inherit the promise just like he does. And God does his work in you and counts it as righteousness. Have you ever believed? You have a gift of a little faith inside of you to trust the God who made this universe and flung the stars into space and the God who brought you into being. And your first step toward a life of great significance and promise is trusting Him. Let's bow together. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, if you've never taken that step of faith, why not do that now? Why not pray to the God who is listening, Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I open my heart to you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I want you in my life. I receive you. Would you pray the prayer of faith? Trust the God who made you and rescues you through the gift of his son. If you are afraid, would you, like Abram, contemplate the greatness of God and know that he is your shield and your reward? And he is enough. Would you let faith replace your fear as you remember again who God really is to you? Thank you, Father, for being in this room. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who attends to our need. Help us now to trust you. Give us a new birth of faith. To be part of the faithful, Lord. That's what we want. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.